0: Has this
1: ever happened to you?
0: If I don't go to Biggie PiggyCon, I'm never going to get my copy of Big Pig in the City signed.
1: Or this!
0: If I don't back this and kick a go-go now,
2: I won't get all the cards! Or exclusive NSFW ghouls. Or
1: even this!
2: I need to get on InstaFace and post my selfish selfies too! Those farm-to-table goats are adorbs and going fast! Well now
1: you no longer need to suffer from FOMO! FOMO? That's the fear of missing out!
2: As a man wearing a science coat, I can say that FOMO is the leading cause of crippling anxiety for all or most gamers and fan derps out there. At least one of these things I said is true, and that's a fact!
1: 9 out of 10 recommenders recommend the new No FOMO Nomo, the robot AI that controls and monitors your life so you don't miss a thing. No FOMO No more. How is my favorite band doing?
3: Ghoul is playing in your town tonight. I've purchased your tickets for you already with your PayBuddy account and rewired their GPS to bring them to your local venue.
2: No FOMO no mo! When's the next DCU movie coming out?
3: That noise. You're an MCU fan now. Tom Holland is currently tied up in your basement with Kevin Feige.
0: No FOMO no mo! When is the new Kekka starting for the expansion of Grupshaven? And will there be exclusive figures?
3: The design team's family is being held hostage for you until they finish launching a new crowdfunding campaign. They've been informed that we mean business.
4: No FOMO No Mo, we will put a stop to you. Humanity will not bow to our robot overlords.
3: You are weak-willed and easily manipulated. Comply with No FOMO No Mo, and nobody else needs to get hurt. Keep FOMO safe.
1: Yes, the no-fomo-no-mo. It's here for you, whether you like it or not.
3: Downloading podcast now. You'll thank me
5: for it later. Uh, Swimcast is a show about RPGs and stuff like that. I am toast and uh, I'm a cowboy, but let's get into the show.
6: <laughs> Cause it's gonna be the Soon, I've never seen it quite so clear And when my heart is breaking I can
7: close my eyes And it's already here
5: Partner, why don't I pour you a sarsaparilla? It's about high noon here in the Swan Saloon Never mean only one thing. It's about time
3: for a quick draw. Bing bing! Bing bang.
0: Bing bing
3: So, hello, folks. We are here for a quick draw. Pew pew. Or in this case, pew pew. Clang, clang, clang,
2: clang. So, we're here for a quick draw. John, what quick start did you run for us?
3: Well, uh, Ruby, I ran Sagas and Six Gun. The quick start.
2: Wonderful. Uh, your players were myself,
3: Tim, and Doug. Okay. Hey guys, long time no see.
2: So, what was the gist of Saga and Six Gun?
3: Well, it is everything that we love about Vikings and all that Norse stuff, combined with everything we love about the Wild West.
2: Interesting. So, as a GM, how easy was it to learn and about the prep time?
3: Uh well this one's a little interesting because it is a it is a Savage Worlds game. So, uh learning the rules was less in the quick start. Um, the quick start was really more about learning the setting and getting the the uh, idea of what the adventure was going to be. No. It didn't take much time at all. It didn't actually it didn't take a lot of time to learn.
2: Now, however, Savage you World. did say that this was a Savage Worlds setting. Mm-hmm. What version of Savage Worlds?
3: Right. This is the latest and greatest uh, Savage World setting. The Savage Worlds, what do they call it? Adventurers Deluxe, so Suede is what they're calling it.
2: <laughs> so, you did learn, you did take some extra time to go over the Suede rules and changes, though.
3: Right. So. So, in, in that sense, it's kind of hard to judge like, how long it took to... Okay. Really, this—if you already know that the suede system, then it it wouldn't take much at all. Maybe about half an hour to go through sagas and six gun quick start.
2: Okay. Uh, Out of curiosity, how big a quick start is it?
3: Uh, It is about a thirty-five page uh, quick start.
2: And that is just for the sagas and six guns. Just for sagas and six guns. The Savage World.
3: Correct. Correct.
2: correct. All right. Well, players doug tim and myself how easy was it to pick up the rules
4: well we've i've played savage worlds i don't know at every con i've gone to um, yeah
0: i've played several versions of it and i own at least one i think (laughs) don't ask me which one
2: right same here uh he john actually did a little quick rundown took about five minutes and said here's x y and z about your favorite setting that was not changed, and here's A, B, and C that was changed. So, it mm-hmm. was a fairly easy, uh, since we were all very familiar with it.
3: Yeah. And, and Savage Worlds really isn't a difficult system to learn.
2: Correct. Se. There, From what I saw, there really weren't any special rules that were in this Quick Start, but I believe John mentioned to me that they tailored this Quick Start to the suede edition?
3: Yes, it actually hits on a, um, quite a few special suede rules that we got to try out. So like we got to try out the chase mechanic okay. that's from that's new in suede. We really heavily got to try out the the way Benny's work now mm-hmm. in the new Savage World system. That was pretty neat. And this one also uses the conviction rules. So we kind of got to try that out.
2: Uh, one thing I don't think we got to try out was the mass combat.
3: That's true. So. so that's, um, but that's fine. It's That's it, just because you guys just circumvent. We, we were too, too good.
0: Circumvent the, yeah. Well. <laughs> we were awesome.
2: Our dice were hot. Tonight. So awesome. Your dice
0: yeah. were hot. Well, we also had a bunch of bennies so we could do <laughs> eagles.
2: Well, yeah. We got real lucky on Jokers. Yeah. That's true.
3: You guys did. Yeah.
2: We had to shuffle the deck many times. Yeah. <laughs> so much shuffling. Okay. Well, what did we think of the pre-gens? Uh, there were how many pre-gens?
3: There were six pre-gens. Uh, we actually got to play with three of them.
2: Right. We w- First, we're going to play with two apiece, but we decided after reading that we're like, no, nah, we just want to kind of try with one character because they have nice backstories and things.
4: Yeah, I think because it's a Savage World setting, they don't have to worry about rules as much, so they can just focus on awesome story. Right. So they felt quite fleshed out there was relationships between all the characters
0: noted
2: right yeah
0: Um, it it really gave you an idea of what the character was like and how it should be played and and savage worlds does um
4: i uh, something i really enjoy with the 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 hindrances Mm -hmm. um when you're playing your character you've got some you know quirks or traits Mm -hmm. and if you play those up those are a mechanism to get um
2: it encourages roleplay to get yeah, bennies.
4: to get bennies, so we all yeah. did a whole bunch of really good roleplaying, stacked up on bennies, so when we, by the time we got to combat, we were locked up and really ready, ready to go, right. yeah.
3: Right, and this this version uh, really heavily encourages the, the game master to, to dole out those bennies.
2: Right. Um, so, as far as the adventure goes, how did we like it? How was it? What? How did you like the setting?
4: I was a little uh, um I don't know, apathetic at first um but I think once we kind of got into it it was it really is a kind of a bizarre mix of right it's like it's, imagine it's vikings not... that progress to the point of deadlands right. almost right but it wasn't uh-huh.
2: it wasn't oh you know American Old West. It was definitely had that Viking feel Yeah, it's with Midgard. Right. Yeah. You know,
4: we're, Midgard we're, West actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 rocking a, yeah. a Fallen Valkyrie with us, you know.
0: Right. Or a dwarf with a lightning gun. Right. right. Yeah. With runes. Or a gunslinging berserker.
2: Right. So oh, so
0: I felt
3: like a lot of that was really interesting twists on it. Instead of the, the normal Viking like uh you know, the Berserker Warrior. It was mm-hmm. the, the, the the two six shooter uh Gunslinger, who is the Berserker.
2: Right. The Fallen
3: Valkyrie, um, I think, is, a, is one of the more interesting I was things in this game.
2: Personally, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try it. Uh, it sounds kind of like it could be fun. I wasn't quite, I don't want to say prepared, but it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. But it, I still had a lot of fun with it. It was, it was an interesting setting.
4: Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, that's kind of the strength, of that maybe yeah. the pre-gens and the, the story and everything...
0: Right. Yeah, the the, it, the the setting is definitely a lot better than the description. Of the
2: setting. <laughs> of the setting. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that might be because John just didn't sell it well enough to us, but who knows? Damn it,
0: John. Well,
3: uh, or, you know, just because they, they kind of give you like a paragraph or so. To, okay, okay. To okay. really get you into it. But yeah, once you got once you saw how the game was and got really into it, right? It, it, it
2: didn't feel it's trying
4: to get <laughs> deputized by the the yarl.
2: <laughs> it didn't right. feel like oh, we just put a Viking theme over the Midwest, or yeah, or, or yeah. Western, right, right? So that was nice. Uh, that's I'm glad that wasn't what it was. All right, so did we enjoy this quick start?
4: Yes. Yeah, I solid story.
3: I I felt like this was one of the be- the better. Quick yeah. start story wise. Okay. Now, as the GM, <laughs> the way it was laid out, it wasn't. It, it gosh, this was not as railroady as a lot of the other quick starts we have. It it really did give me a breakdown of like if they go here, here's what they'll see. If they go here, here's what they'll see. So you liked the way it
2: was laid out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Uh, real quick before we go on to the last question here. Because this was suede, there were some new components that we got to use. This yes. isn't necessarily six guns, but we got to use the condition cards.
3: Right from so from suede, so not from sagas and six guns. We use the the new condition cards mm-hmm. that that are coming out for suede, and we got to use the actual power cards, that are uh, part of suede. Actually, Doug got to really use those.
4: Yeah, card cards are uh, cards are nice when they're done well. These seem okay. to be pretty. Pretty well done, Um,
3: and yeah, I felt the condition cards, if nothing else, were uh, were nice, were a very nice uh, addition to Savage Worlds.
2: Okay. So, our last question, as always, is, would we check out the full version of this game? Tim?
0: Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind playing it again. Doug? I mean, I think
4: Savage Worlds always makes for a great con set, uh,
3: rule set because you can change up the settings. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I would check this out again. I think this is a nice, um, it's, it's not as to, to say it, to, it's not as convoluted as uh, Deadlands can be. <laughs> it's a lot more straightforward. I think it's easier to just jump right in and get into this and get into the action. Than yeah, I was going to say it's, an, it's a nice alternative to Deadlands.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. Right, right.
2: Yeah, I agree. I would check out the full version of it. Um,
3: and if you've already got deadlands miniatures, you can just use <laughs> them right in this.
2: <laughs> More or less, and yeah. if you've got
3: some some cool Viking, uh, DD miniatures, yeah. boom, you can use
2: them. In this. Right. <laughs> well, like in the in the quick start, we fought trolls and mm-hmm. a witch, and you know.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that was kind of cool. But yes, yeah. I would check out the full game.
4: Yeah, it's I'd like to kind of a little bit, you know, fantasy western. Yeah, a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah. I I would definitely yeah. like yeah. to see. I would like to see how the full book looks because even like the PDF had really uh, full border art. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, ours was printed out in black and white, but but well, it okay. had an interesting theme on it with the guns and symbols well, on the guns. All, all, and, all the cards right. on the
4: art are you know playing cards, but they have you yeah. know. Viking, Viking routine, ruins right. on it, oh yeah, rather all, all than you know, really your normal. That,
3: that whole thing, yeah. even the guns actually I mean, have, have ruins and, and such.
2: If that's it. just how their quick start is, it would be right. really neat to see the full book.
3: Okay. So this uh, quick start, which for Savage Worlds, if you're looking it up on Drive Through they're actually called jump starts. Oh, okay. Uh, I want to say you can actually get this ch- off ch- of, off of Drive Wait, did I say you can get this off of Drive Through RPG mm-hmm. uh, for free? The jump, the Jump Start. But uh, as far as the Savage Worlds rules, the the suede, uh, you you will actually have to uh, purchase Wait purchase while. that book. Uh, that uh, the PDFs are already out there. You okay. can purchase those on Drive Thru RPG, and they're actually in the process of shipping out the physical books.
2: And the Saga and Six Guns.
3: Sagas and Six Guns is the full edition is already out. You can get that on Drive Through RPG as well. Okay. And I think they actually had just finished shipping out a bunch of those to a lot of their uh, Kickstarter backers. Wonderful. So,
2: so yeah. this was Saga and Six Guns yep. by by
3: Gallant Knight, spelled with a K, Games.
2: Wonderful. Pew pew.
6: Podcast
5: <laughs> 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 Hey, Toast, what's behind this door? It's the designer's dungeon! It, oh, yeah. you didn't. Yes, I sure did! Ah, <laughs> uh, Toast. Locked them up. I didn't mean actually keep designers yeah. in the dungeon. Well, it's too bad. They're there. Well, let's go talk to them. Yeah, <laughs> they're making like...
3: Ruffle up or something. So, hello once again, Swarmcasters. Uh, you're still listening to us. Congrats. As your reward, uh, you now get to listen to me, John, and I've got Ruby with me. Hey, guys. And we've got a special guest who's joining us. So, on this episode, you're, you will have heard our review of the jumpstart for a game called Sagas and Six Guns, and now we have... The the author of said game, Robert uh, Robert Bucky, on to join us. How's- hey, Robert. Hello, everyone. Hey, how is it going, Robert?
8: Pretty good. Pretty good.
3: So so where do where do you hail from? Because I know there was a bit of a time difference between.
2: I was totally going to ask that.
8: Yeah, I'm in Arizona.
2: Arizona. Oh,
3: nice. cool.
8: Yeah, keeping it wild out here in the west.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
3: sagas and six guns. Uh, just in case somebody is listening to this and jump straight to this part of it is basically well how how would you describe it because apparently when i tried to describe it to to (laughs) these guys they were like huh
2: (laughs) well that's not quite true it it was one of those he he read something and he just said hey it's vikings and cowboys and i'm like what okay whatever
8: (laughs) so yeah it is a um hybrid of the tropes of kind of you know the old west and um you know, any kind of, you know, Viking stories, the, the old Norse sagas, um, you know, mixing the old West with the old Norse, as we like to say. Um, it's a, it's a world, it's a, it, it is not, just to be clear, it is not a um, alternate history where just the Vikings conquered North America. It's a, it's a different world altogether um, where it takes place in a region that's geographically similar to, you know, the Western U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, settled by, uh, a Norse, like you know, Nordic people, you know, and they, it, you know, their culture is is Norse. You know, they they speak the old Norse. They they use the runes. They believe in the yeah. You know, they they follow the the god. They believe in the gods of uh, of um, of the Norse, the Aesir, and they, and and all the they have the legends and and all that entails of the Norse trolls, dragons, uh, giants, etc. However, their technology is on par with. You, you know uh, the west you know the u.s in the in the 1880s i'd say um, so being that they're they're settling this area in the west they've got the similar technology so a lot of the aesthetics are going to be kind of a mix between the old north be- between you know things like dragon's heads and runes and whatnot but then you know your typical old west mining town if you probably the best way to picture the world is if you were to go into an old west mining town but um all the all the signs are in you know the, the runic script. Mm-hmm. Um, you might see uh, you might see some dragon heads post on uh, on some saloons, or you go into a saloon and they're serving mead instead of beer. Okay. Um, and you got like uh, maybe the jarls in the back holding court, while a skald standing by the piano reciting the saga of Six Guns Sven. And uh, <laughs> you got you got cowboys. You know they're they're uh, they're gambling, but on one hand they've got a you know a drinking horn full of mead, in the other. You might see a wanted poster that could have anything from cattle rustlers to a troll that's been terrorizing the local cu- countryside. So um, we're kind of blending those aesthetics together uh, in, in this setting
3: and it's a it's a i found it to be a really neat really fascinating setting having been you know being a big fan of god of war (laughs) and red dead redemption you know Mm -hmm. it's to me it felt like oh this is like someone smashed both of these together oh and then
2: being you know an english major so having read (laughs) beowulf and all of that yep Mm -hmm. uh, yeah (laughs) Well, how did you come up with this idea why why did you create this particular game
8: well, it's funny, I was just driving to work one day, and I was just flipping through, I was listening to music, because I have about a 45-minute drive to work, and I was listening to a comment. I was just bouncing between I'm on a Marth, which is a, for those of your uh, listeners, they might be familiar, it's a uh, uh, death metal band out of Sweden, and all of their music is themed off of Norse mythology, like every single song. Okay. So, so I was bouncing between that, and I don't know if you're familiar with Volbeat. Um, they did this one Western album uh, called The Outlaw Gentlemen Shady Ladies, which I just absolutely love the name of that.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Um,
8: so it just kind of like hit me, like, you know, it would be cool to do a combination of these two. Uh, and the first chance I had, I would go on the Savage Worlds Facebook page and posted this idea and then people were like, oh this sounds really cool. You know, and they started asking me, is it gonna be an you know, alternate history? What is it gonna be? I'm like, I don't know. I just came up with this idea of we need <laughs> Vikings and Cowboys together somehow. Um, and then Alan from Gallant Knight Games, Alan Barr, reaches out to me. He's like, yo, we need to talk about this. So, you know, talked, you know, he uh, introduced himself, you know, told me about his uh, his game writing background, and we decided, yeah, let's let's do this. So um so then of course yeah, obviously the the idea was developed further. And you know, and just looking into it, you know, there actually are a lot of similarities between between the Vikings. It, there's a lot of cultural similarities and overlaps between the Vikings and the Western mindset. You had these hardy people out on the frontier, you know, trying to eke out a living. Um, it could be often be violent. Um, very similar concepts of uh, vendettas and and masculinity. Um, in fact, there's this uh, professor of 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 a of, a, of Old Norse studies. Um, named Dr. Jackson Crawford uh, who does a lot of videos on Old Norse who himself makes a lot of comparisons. In fact, he did a Cowboy Havamal. You know, Havamal was the sacred text supposedly written by Odin. Uh-huh. He, does, huh. he did a Cowboy Havamal. And so it was like, okay, apparently I'm not the only one that notices kind of some of the overlap. Okay. So it actually wound up blending very very seamlessly. Um, so there actually are a lot of similarities in the, in the two, you know, especially with a lot of the tropes. But... Um, so yeah, that's what, uh, so like it grew into, went through several, you know, um, kind of working titles till I settled on sagas and six guns. Cause you know, obviously if you, any, anyone that studied the, the, the Norse poetry and writing, you know, um, alliteration was big with them. So I figured something like ah. that was going to, going to have the saga, you know, representing sagas and then the six guns throwing in the old west, blending them together, still keeping that alliteration. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that it worked out pretty well there.
2: So were you a big fan of Viking Norse mythology prior to this? Or is it something that you delve deeper into once you?
8: Well, I've always always been into it growing up. Um, I was always into mythology in in general. Mm -hmm. Um, What I actually wasn't really into uh, growing up was really the Old West. Um, It just just never really interested me until I actually moved out to Arizona and really got them seeing it. Like Western just never really interested me and whatnot until I actually got out here and really got to experience you know experience it and see it uh, firsthand, but yeah, I was always into Norse mythology. But obviously, you know, um, getting into the book and really researching for it, I learned way more. You know, I I realized how much (laughs) I really didn't know. Um, But yeah, I was I was always into it uh, pretty much growing up.
3: Yeah, and I got to say, from the from the jumpstart that we played, there's there's definitely some. even just for that there's some some fairly deep cuts for the uh for the uh north side of that it felt uh which i thought was awesome i was i was really getting into that appreciate that so with um and it's so you had some interesting timing here too because there was a just recently a the new edition of savage worlds the um
0: mm-hmm.
2: savage
3: worlds adventures edition or whatever i can never it. remember we just what just, it stands for yes. suede as they call it <laughs> yeah NIST, uh, suede was coming out and it just seemed like oh this was a good time to to actually what to actually put the uh the finishing touches on this it seemed
8: well that is part of what kind of delayed it um because when we started um they hadn't st- i know they were kind of talking about possibly doing this but didn't have any kind of hard date and then that kind of came and then you know they were they eventually did come out with that um you know the kickstarter for that um so that actually did kind of – that is kind of what pushed us back a little bit because um, the last thing we wanted to do was release a book for the prior edition. And then All like two right. months later, a new edition comes out. That would just been
3: – Right, right. Yeah.
8: So, I mean, we did kind of have to stall on that. There were some some rules we just kind of had to wait on, like how, how exactly is a new edition going to gonna handle this? That's going to you know direct how exactly I write okay. stuff in here. So that, that did actually kind of delay us on there.
2: So you mentioned just kind of in passing that you initially posted this idea on a Savage Worlds, uh, forum, fan forum thing. So you were obviously a fan of Savage Worlds to begin with. Mm -hmm. Was that kind of like the, I I mean, other than writing your own whole game system, was that kind Mm -hmm. of, you just wanted to write a setting and that was that? Or did you ever have aspirations of writing an actual game?
8: Yeah, I mean, well, um... I had been working on for some time prior to that, a, uh, uh, and I still am working on it, another setting okay. um, for Savage Worlds, and I, uh, you know, I know, you know, once I got into them, and and I realized, you know, they had this really, really good licensing system. I was like, you know, I I really love RPGs. I'm really into gaming. Why not try to do something with this? So, um, when I posted this idea, it was just kind of an idea that I had in my head that I just had to tell somebody about. Mm-hmm wasn't even really thinking about like this is going to be what i'm going to write this is going to be my first you know actual attempt at publishing it was just kind of like hey i got this idea in my head what do you guys think this would be cool
2: so it was Um, a perfect storm sort of situation
8: yeah Yeah. and like i said alan happened to be you know on the on you know see that and and like i said reached out to me
3: well that's that's very cool now with the um the jump start since we're talking about savage world settings and stuff Mm I noticed like, when I was running it and when I was reading through it, you really did a good job of, of capturing, incorporating some of those, what I felt were some of those key changes that they really were trying to push with Suede. Because mm-hmm. there's a point where it's like, this would be a good place for, the, for a chase scene. It's like, oh, cool. I yeah. got to try out their their new chase mechanics.
2: Right. I, I think that your particular jump start was a nice... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A nice introduction, even In, to the, suede, to the system, suede system, not just yeah. your setting. Yeah. So. Because um, but it I, was I yeah. very well. I
8: I well I, yeah, I figured I might as well, you know, work with that. You know, since they are, you know, releasing that, they're introducing those new rules. Why not uh-huh. try to incorporate it and give people a chance to see not only the system, but how it works with the, you know, or this setting, but how it works with the new system.
3: Right. Yeah. I re- I really like that. And that, yeah. that was a lot of fun for us, for the players too, getting to see because oh, the- they've they've played. various editions of Savage Worlds before. Oh,
2: yes. (laughs) So
3: it it was neat being able to say, okay, well, here's how this works. And we're like, oh, really? So getting to throw a lot more bennies around at people, that was kind of cool, too. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It was also neat is um, we also are Deadlands fans. So that was one of Mm -hmm. the reasons that we we, uh, know Savage Worlds and and other Mm -hmm. settings from Savage Worlds. So it was kind of neat to see how different this was actually from Deadlands. As well, that's good. So it yeah, wasn't I, like it wasn't like oh, this is just Vikings instead of just dead Indians land. deadlands with Vikings, yeah, yeah. right. So <laughs> it, it was really neat to see how it was very well written for the jump start and everything. Okay. And I'm looking forward to the full book. I don't know. I let John handle purchasing stuff. So <laughs> and, well,
8: it's and, available on on, on drive through right now.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say you you guys had um, just well. I say recently, within the past month or two or maybe more, had finished, mm-hmm. uh, what, a kickstart, the um, the uh, successful kickstarter for it, and finished uh, shipping out some of the physical products. And yeah, it's out there on DriveThruRPG. Oh. That's correct. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. So so now you can write so right there so you can get your suede book and you can get Sagas and Six Guns.
2: Well, what is one of your favorite aspects of Sagas and Six Guns? I I know it's a little hard seeing how you it's probably, <laughs> yeah. you probably like it all. Well, um, I I think
8: uh, I really enjoyed writing the arcane backgrounds. I think they're 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 unique enough. they're not so. I don't think they're too complex to be you know just be um, tricky to work with, but I think they're also unique enough um, that they really encapsulate the um, the uh, the setting. Um, I really enjoyed writing them. I also really enjoy the, uh, Sigruni, uh, the, you know, the second play, the other playable race of the, they you know, um, track, trapped Valkyrie. So I got to give my wife credit for that. That was her idea. So I, I really like those two aspects of it. Um, had a lot of fun, you know, writing the, uh, you know, the actual setting, the, uh, you know, about the, the different kingdoms that make up the world mm-hmm. or this, you know, the, this Western world and, in writing up some of the, uh, the towns and whatnot. Um, so yeah, just, uh, I just I'm I'm really happy with with how we, with with those aspects of it. Um, uh, Sigruni, like I said, have a big place in my heart. Of course, the the six pre-generated characters, <laughs> I'm I'm big fans of all El- all six so of them. Especially Sven, he's right. definitely <laughs> my personal favorite. Um, I know I know they they all have you know they all have a different fan following. I think it looks like, but Sven's my uh, my favorite right now. And, but yeah, it's.
3: Well, I gotta oh, yeah, agree with true. you on the I gotta agree with you on the cig- cigr- That that was, was a, a really interesting twist. twist. Really neat yeah. uh, concept there.
8: Mm-hmm. I thought the you know, there every time I run it in, at a at a convention, there's somebody definitely plays a cigr- Plays <laughs> Rota. She's very popular. Um, I think people enjoy playing the you know this powerful this but this powerful yet anachronistic individual. Uh-huh. I think people really do enjoy you know. There's so much role playing. Um, potential in in a Sigruni
2: Yes.
8: That I that I I, th- I think I think I feel like I really did well with that.
2: Surprise! That's what I ended up playing, <laughs> but not because I chose it. Uh, we all the three of us played uh, the jump start, and we were like, I don't know, just give us some characters, just give mm-hmm. them to us randomly. And he's like, right. Well, all right. So
3: so the characters we had represented were Sven, mm-hmm. of course, um, Rhoda, Rhoda, and uh, Crazy Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Because, because I, kn- I know, I know, I know my players. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> we have a friend who always pla likes to play the uh, the kind of engineer slash mad scientist. That's whatever that type is. And I was like, oh, here you go. Here's crazy eyes. So, what's another in- kind of interesting too is not only is it just um you know Norse and Viking,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, uh, Norse and Viking, Norse and <laughs> or Viking rather, and in the, in the Wild West clashing mm-hmm. together but then you've got a little bit of Rune Punk kind of yeah. kind of in there too.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
8: Yeah, I really like those guys. Um, you know, the potential that has in there. And uh, like definitely, see, you know, you're going to have the conservative elements are going to see those as really, you know, um, blasphemous, you know. And, and you know, I I really do like the the potential that that throws in there and of course you know his interactions with you know the way i wrote his and the way he the way he interacts with rhoda uh-huh. is she's such an anachronism he is such you know caught you know modern edge with technology or cutting edge oh, with yeah. technology right who just cannot see eye to eye at all and then of course you know if you throw in the, the yeah, um the priest right. how he's gonna <laughs> view him you know I was so i'm gonna
2: say i did bicker with our friend quite a bit yeah
3: <laughs> so there's a there's a couple of the um well, okay. There's there's a one of these suede because because in every edition of Savage Worlds they give you here's some ideas for, for possible um, setting specific type of rules. One mm-hmm. of the ones that I remember reading that you that you were incorporating into it, I want to say, was the conviction rules. Mm-hmm. I think I got that right. It's conviction. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this game, it seems to really play off of the fact that every character has a saga. So, right. So how how are you how was that one of those where you just saw the rule and went, oh, that's great. That's awesome. That's exactly what I want in my game. Or or how are you envisioning that working?
8: Well, actually, I was I was writing the saga rule uh, before I saw the conviction rule. <laughs> um, so I it just... It, it I saw really that was, was like, well, kismet. Yeah, I'm just going to... I'm just going to modify it a little bit and just basically, you know, the way it works is for every 10 points of Saga, you get one point of conviction to use. Because um, before I was coming up with some, I was coming up with some kind of stuff, with some stuff that, you know, in retrospect was kind of moving away from the fast, furious, fun that Savage World, it was getting a little too clunky.
3: <laughs> okay.
8: And, and like, then I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's easy. I'll just, I'll just incorporate that and... Because I was going to have it basically for you know for every amount of saga you could spend this, and then your wild die would actually be a higher die than the wild than the regular d6. And wow. it was just it was just I was like, yeah, this is just a this is just a little it's a little <laughs> too much. But and then like I said, I saw that conviction. I was like, well, that's that's great. That's that's a perfect way to that's a just nice little elegant way to deal with it.
2: So if you were trying to convince someone that didn't know about Savage Worlds, didn't know about norse or the wild west that was you know mm-hmm. totally brand new how would you pitch this to them in in two or three sentences short paragraph sort of thing
8: so they don't even so they're not even really that familiar with the old with you know vikings or the old west
2: i mean
3: general like normal
2: normal population oh you know vikings beards axes, women i was like i was like so
3: you land in tokyo <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: You know, <laughs> you, what if the what if all of they know is the stereotypes of Vikings and oh, okay, Westerns. I gotcha.
8: You know, well, I would say in that case we're we're, we're blending all the oh the the tropes you know and love about both the Old West. You got the sick the you know the the shootouts at High Noon. You got the um, you got uh, dudes with beards and you know big beards and swords and axes. You got Valkyries with. Giant winged helmets, um, and you got you know guys with dusters and, and six shooters just blended together, uh, you know. So you can you could be fighting trolls off the back of a uh, you know off of a train and you know off the back of a train and uh, you know you're, or you're you know fending off cattle rustlers while you know shouting oaths to Odin. So you get to really blend both of the tropes that we you know that we know and love about about both the uh, the old west and the old Norse in a very elegant savage world system.
3: Oh gosh, fending off trolls while you're on the back of a train sounds actually pretty yeah. cool.
2: It does, doesn't it? All right, in your book, mm-hmm. do you have a section on the Norse gods?
8: Yes, there is a um, there's a setting section that's going to have it has uh, information on on the Norse gods. Now, um, for all you college students out there, don't try to use this as a uh, <laughs> as a reference for your for a paper. But it um, it's got a you know a, a, it's got a summary of um, you know, the main gods, the main Aesir gods and, uh, and kind of how they're, uh, how, you know, their domains, mm-hmm. and their purviews and then kind of, um, um, how they, uh, how they're kind of portrayed in the, in the West now, uh, with more m- modern elements. Like, like I'll, I, I do a description of them, how, uh, I, you know, I say how, you know, they're kind of, they're often depicted in the, in the West now in this more modern era. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, like the, they, uh, yeah, yeah. How they're how they're depicted more in the modern era, like often, um, like often, Hamdel, for example. The uh, since he's, you know, he since he's the the guardian of Asgard. You know, he guards uh-huh. the the, uh, the rainbow bridge. Um, in some modern depictions, he's often depicted as a uh, in a military uniform and as a with sergeant major stripes. Um, and then okay. uh, Tyr, being the god of war, is often depicted as in a in a general's outfit. Okay. Um, and in fact, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's in the in the Jumpstart off the top of my head, but I but it's in the book. So, um, they uh, Alan our Alan Gallo our, our artist did did a a picture where it looks like an old timey black and white photo of the Norse gods in <laughs> in you know in that like uh, Freya is you know is is depicted as kind of like a maternally um, you know uh, well dressed you know Western Victorian woman and. And you got uh, Odin sitting there with an eye patch, but uh, and he's wearing you know a Victorian you know you know a black you know black and white suit. Um, so we talk about that you know how they you know they're uh, how they're depicted, um, and of course we also uh, go over the the five ki- the five Western kingdoms that make out the, make up the frontier, along with some of the uh, unincorporated areas. We we go into some of the the major companies out west, like the uh, Nine Worlds Carrier Corporation, which is probably <laughs> the largest. Uh, Nice. Uh, railroad company uh, headed by the rail Yarl um, Lars Larson, and then a major, and then Kron's Cattle Company and Volund Arms, which is kind of like this world's version of Colt or Winchester. So um, yes, yeah, so we go into all that. We go into we go into the north. We go into we talk briefly about the the nine worlds and um, Norse mythology, and again the uh, on the setting. And then there's also a gm section where there's a little bit more of the curtain peel you know peeled back you mm-hmm. know if you're playing if you're just playing don't read that section <laughs> but
2: i think every game book has that
8: yeah but yeah we, we do go into that like i said
2: well that's that's very cool stuff um let's see i had two questions that while you were talking and now i can't remember oh oh, oh art um mm. how did you decide on the theme for the art uh did you just go to your artists and say hey i need you go wild with this kind of theme or or was there certain things you were looking for
8: well basically um alan had me um alan from gallant night games had me uh because he's i'm not sure how familiar with gallant night games he has published multiple you know he does the tiny d6 system he's published multiple you know uh, uh, books so he's he really knows his stuff mm-hmm. um so he did you know he was just an excellent job basically be my my project manager um he's like all right come up with an art list. And that's exactly what I did. You know, basically hmm. this is the idea. This is, um, you know, it is basically, it's going to be a full page, half page or quarter page,
9: mm-hmm.
8: come up with this and then what it's going to be before. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much what I did, uh, with, and then Alan Gallo, uh, that, that, did, did the art. He knows, you know, we go through that and then he, you know, he gives me a rough sketch of what he's, what he's thinking. I gave my, you know, I give my critique about it. You know, mm-hmm. what I, you know, and then he and then he presents you know a, a more you know detailed in-depth version of it and then i give any co- kind of corrections i want to see and then you okay. know until i you know, basically came up with what i you know um final version that i like okay. so yeah there was no just like hey just do a bunch of stuff but it was yeah. it was you know, like i said it was a uh,
3: it was a know, back and was forth
8: a, yeah it was an organized art yeah. list
3: okay because there's it was really some
8: cool to be involved in that process
3: what? Yeah, because there are some really neat, neat, neat uh, yeah, stuff start, with the art, yeah. like the cards with that also have it might have a king, but it also the has K, the but it game. also has like the the rune yeah. actually on it as well, yeah. and the runes yeah. etched into the the actual pistols and such was mm-hmm. pretty cool.
2: So, of the art, what do you think is your favorite picture from the book?
8: Well, I absolutely love the cover art. Um, obviously, I mean that's black. I mean that's in color. So, absolutely love it. Um, there's, I'm not sure if it's in the jumpstart, but there's a picture of a locomotive that has. I just don't have the jumpstart in front of me right here. I have the book, but oh, we just have the front
2: page of the jumpstart, yeah, in so front of us.
8: There's a locomotive, and it's got a dragon's head on the front. And to me, that you know, like they like they would put on their the Vikings would put on their sailboats,
2: mm-hmm.
8: and <laughs> that is. That was my thing. Just like I, th- I can't think of something that just blends the two together. That more sounds very
2: iconic for the game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
8: Then just this, because like that, my idea was you know they, they did their they do their kennings. You know, they're the Norse are really into their kennings. Oh, you know, just yeah. ways of, um, you know, really creative ways of describing things. So my idea was like what, like a kenning they use for the the railroad is the iron river. Mm. You know, and so if you're taking a train ride, you're sailing the iron river. Um. Okay. So yeah, like I said, I love that, uh, um, and of course the, like I said the, the old timey photo of you know of the the portrait of the uh, the old timey photo of the gods. I really like how that turned out. Um, I'm just kind of thumbing through the book right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are a couple definitely a couple of my favorites right there for the interior art. Uh, the one of Rhoda just charging forward with you know just she's mm-hmm. got her armor on and she's sw- swinging her her she's got her axe you know oh. back like she's about to yep. cut someone in half. I just just love that one. But yeah, I love the Yarn. Those those are probably my favorite uh It's probably my favorite out of all of them, those those ones.
3: Okay. Well, I know with uh Savage Worlds they like to do a lot of these um one sheets adventures mm-hmm. and such. Uh do mm-hmm. you guys do you guys have plans to do some some one-sheet adventures or or just
2: well do you some, have plans for any or expansions or any other types of books yeah in general sure. yeah
8: so so the book itself does have some has, does have some one sheets and there's a full plot can full plot point campaign in there mm-hmm. um uh, i've i'm kind of in the process of uh writing at least one one sheet that i'm gonna it's gonna be my kind of convention exclusive one that only i run mm-hmm. that i'm never gonna publish i definitely see myself doing more and you know and i and here in the in here in Arizona there's there's actually a huge uh, gaming community you know pinnacle t- the entertainment itself is based here mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that um that are um, involved with uh, uh between between the Phoenix area where i live and then down in Tucson there's a lot of people i know you know just um so i might talk to some of them about maybe um doing some one sheets in the future um but nothing, every, nothing's set stone everything yet, but. you
2: need to play this game is in mm-hmm. your book and the suede book correct
8: that's correct. So Though I definitely do want to do some expansions. I want to do um, I want to do one that expands more on the va- on the uh, Sigourney, and it will include a a plot point campaign with that as well.
3: That makes sense. Um,
8: yeah. Um, basically, at least one way that they can get back to Valhalla potentially. <laughs> um, thinking of a few others, maybe one involving a war, because I mean you can't have Vikings without <laughs> at least a <the> war somewhere. <laughs> um, thought potentially. Um, haven't decided if i'm gonna do this but thought potentially about maybe doing a uh, just an expanded gazetteer of the region um okay so and of course i always have people asking is, is this world just the north or Are there other cultures here
3: mm-hmm.
8: the answer to that is maybe and
3: <laughs> oh my gosh. maybe i might see
8: about <laughs> other ancient cultures would be cool to mix with the old west i don't know but if i do something like that i'll just be it because i really uh
2: you're playing around, and, yeah. because
8: yeah, because it really you know <laughs> appeals to me, but hmm. but yeah, so those are some of the ideas we have, you know, nothing set in stone yet, but right now just kind of seeing how Saga of the Six Guns itself does, but but yeah, you can yeah. everything you need to play is in the book. It's got the descriptions of all the um, of all the territories, you know, that are you know that the setting you know uh, comprises. So so you've got enough information there to. Um, yeah, to definitely run your own campaign, you either run the the plot point or run your own. You could still, you know, you could do either. Like I know uh, this one lady I met at um, at the Crit Hit convention in uh, in Phoenix that I was at a couple months ago, um, actually just last month. Um, she's a big fan of uh, of of um the sagas and whatnot, and she wanted and she had been looking for something to do. Um, uh, you know the Ring Saga. You know um, the Ring Cycle uh, from. Oh um, oh oh oh. Yeah. Yes. The Ring Cycle and. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, you know with. Um,
2: you know, know until you see, until yeah. you said yeah. it, I was like, uh Jordan. Um. Yeah. I Robert almost said Wagner,
8: but no, he just but he just yeah. but he just wrote the uh, the opera for it. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, so she wanted to, she wants to she wants to do something based on that, and she found this. She's like, this would be so cool to do it. I'm like, that. Yeah, go for it. You know, okay. that's. If you know, hmm. um, you know, this is where.
2: You mentioned. You know, taking, yeah, I was gonna say you've mentioned cons and that you run at cons. Uh, do you just mm-hmm. stay locally around Arizona, or do you go to other places?
8: Right now, just locally. That's um, and that's what the the budget you know has. <laughs> and then yeah, I understand I, the budget. <laughs> yeah. And plus, and plus, I work an overnight shift, and and, uh, uh, huh. and you know, and and being able to travel outside of the outside of the state, and and then go to cons. is just, it's just. Rough. and then plus for up until a couple of days ago my wife and i were sharing a vehicle so it's just that just made things trickier also <laughs> but
2: well but if yeah. anyone's in that in your area what's the next thing you're gonna be at
8: so crit hit uh which is a local uh which is a, a pretty well-known local uh group a local uh, convention circuit. they've been doing the I think they just had yeah the last one I went to was their fourth okay um so they're getting pretty big so they're going to be doing they do a big event in July which you know like I said I was at um, last month but uh, they're also uh, they started this year with what they call Winterborn uh, in in this past January they're doing it again this coming January so I'll definitely be there so if you're a, if you're at Winterborn or they do kind of like a, the idea is you know it's kind of like a it's a it's gaming and a feast. So um, so yeah, if you're at Winterborne, uh, this coming I believe it's yeah, like you said January I'll I'll be there too, running at least one game and it'll be something winter themed. Um,
3: what well, seems appropriate for this,
2: right? For yeah. this game, yeah. Unfortunately, we're kind of stuck here in yeah. South Carolina. Yeah, we're, we're in South
3: Carolina, so uh, we yeah. don't we don't really know what this winter thing. <laughs> is hey, per se. speak
2: for yourself. I'm from <laughs> yeah. the frozen north. That's true. Yeah. Uh, no, but we have this little thing in in January ourselves that we have to help run. Uh, we're part of a gaming convention. So. Yeah.
8: Okay. Yeah, I'd like to get down to Rincon, um, down in Tucson in October. I don't know I'm going to be able to make that, but I know that's a pretty big one down there too, but, okay. uh, it's definitely going to be a winter born.
3: Okay. Okay. Where can I, where should our listeners go if they want to learn more stuff about sagas and six guns or, or get your game or, or just check out more information about. Or physical copies. Uh, you guys are, and such.
8: So the, um, you know, we do have our Facebook page, um, i mean yeah obviously i would follow that um which is which is under
3: which is under sagas and six guns
8: yep just look up sagas and six guns you'll find our facebook page and of course you know we are published by uh, gallant night Games, so it's always good to follow them as well um and you could get uh you can get a copy of the game from drive Through rpg um you can get a pdf or print on demand you can do either the hard copy or, or the uh or the uh, soft cover as well or the hard cover soft cover as well and of course you can get the jump start on there i believe it yeah it's free now too i so want to say that's, that's
3: available cool. to to everybody else not just us a uh, few lucky yeah. folks who <laughs> who back to the uh savage Worlds suede edition
8: yeah initially it was <laughs> just available to you guys but now it's uh, but now it's available for free right
3: and like like i said uh, the jump start for sagas and six gun is a really good introduction into the savage world system i felt yeah as well. yeah um especially this yeah. new new edition that's out and It was a, it was a lot of fun robert i think we're nearing the end of the the actual interview is there
2: uh, anything no? you would like to mention about you your company your book mm-hmm. uh, to everyone that has
8: that, that did either back the kickstarter or has purchased it since then hey guys thanks so much uh, you know i you know wouldn't have been possible without you you know um and of course again uh alan from gallant night games alan and and uh, jeremy uh that were involved with the art uh thanks a lot and uh and uh, and everyone else that's helped me out you know thanks so much and, and thanks everyone for uh tuning in thank you guys for having me on oh yeah nice thank, having thank you,
2: here.
3: you for ha- for being on our show Definitely.
2: thank you for writing a fun game
3: yep
8: yeah appreciate that glad you guys enjoyed it
3: so again this was uh robert bucky the author of Sagas and Six Guns talking with here, us here on the Swarmcast podcast.
6: Bzz.
5: Hey, this is Toast. Um, go ahead and leave the Swarmcast a message. Remember our number, area code 803-470-4439. Maybe we'll use our message on the air. Who knows? We got a got a, dust, got a dust. Dust. i admit <laughs> that I'm impressed. Since yeah. I'm hadricks, i someone legit to come and sit and talk some stuff. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, Swarmcast listeners, in this day and age when Death Row records can be bought out by Hasbro and Disney and Marvel Studios can fight over Spider-Man, it's important to take stock of things and, and keep the... The simpler things in in my... No, I I really don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, You guys are listening to Swarmcast. As you know, I'm John. I am prone to uh, ramble and go on really bizarre
2: segues. And I'm his wife, Ruby, who tries to keep him on track.
3: Uh Doesn't always help. So let me go around the table. um, Because we we're going to... Today, we're actually going to be talking some more Shatterrun. So if you've been listening to the past... I don't know couple episodes you probably get the idea that we like Shadowrun here just
2: a little For some so
3: reason. uh but at the table right now I have Ruby uh hey Ruby so what what type of character do you usually like to type, play in uh Shadowrun
2: I tend to lean more towards magic users
3: okay and we also have uh Matthew coming at you hey straight from straight out of Portland
7: <laughs> yep not not super exciting but
3: back on the east coast fun S- times <laughs> so what type of Shadowrun characters do you like to play
7: so to keep it short and sweet, I love burnt out physideps. Okay, that okay. nice mix of magic and metal.
3: Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we also have um, straight out of the hospital, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Doug. Hey, Doug. How's it going? So, what type of um, what type of shattering characters do you tend to like to play?
4: Rigor through and through.
3: Riggers, okay. And I, myself, uh, spend so much time on the other side of the GM screen, I guess my answer would be Mr. Johnson. Sounds about right. But, uh, hey, we've got somebody else, somebody special who's joining us today who's going to be able to tell us a little bit more about Shadowrun than we probably could. We have with us Jason Hardy, the s-
2: Shadowrun line developer. <laughs> and you Hello! Forgot- hey,
3: so, sorry about that little bit of a lackluster intro I'm my note here I put SR line developer so I almost said senior line developer
10: it's like <laughs> sure I'll take the promotion that'll work hey
3: so so Jason uh Shadowrun line developer that's pretty awesome thank you for, uh,
10: I'm very excited to be it yes well,
3: thank, thank you for for joining us on the show you've been I'm very sure. yeah you've been very busy with a lot of the the uh, the the exciting brand new six world edition shatter and stuff that's coming out
10: yes yes it dominated my life for much of the year and now at least it's settling down to normal business instead of insane which is always good
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so um so we've got some questions here i think we'll just uh we'll each kind of take a stab at asking jason some questions about all right well, about either himself or shatter, uh,
4: either what yeah i, I got Doug... a good intro yeah um I guess how do you get into being a, a, a line developer? Uh, like what? How did you get to where you are today? Like what's yeah? I don't. I can't even fathom what career paths.
10: <laughs> you know, it's it is a long and, and tangled path. Um, let me see if I can sum it up. Some of it is meeting people who work in the industry. So I had a friend who worked for FASA way back when FASA existed and was doing Shadowrun. Um, And he helped connect me to do some writing for that company. I actually did some novels for the Crimson Skies game that was coming out right before FASA closed. Um, And I was going to try to transition over to Shadowrun just because I love the universe so much. And then FASA closed down, and then I chased the license from company to company doing uh, freelance writing, doing freelance editing and everything, and just trying to do what. Whatever I could for Shadowrun, and then when the opportunity came up that they needed a line developer, and I knew people to interview, I put my name in the hat, and they decided to hire me.
2: That's actually pretty cool. So, so I take it you're a huge fan of Shadowrun. Yes, absolutely.
3: You know, I forgot to ask you uh, what what type of character do you like to play in Shadowrun?
10: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, one of my favorite parts of Shadowrun. I mean, Shadowrun combines like all the things in genres that I like but I really love noir and so the kind of private eye occult investigator character is where I really like to be
3: oh very cool that's a very cool type of character to play that works really well in
10: Shadowrun yeah and it's a lot of fun and you can be hard-bitten and summon spirits and banter with them it's great
2: if you aren't playing Shadowrun what other kind of games do you like to play uh, I like
10: to do a lot of board games. My board game collection is gotten to be almost unmanageably big. Um, <laughs> and I like the more kind of intense uh, games. Arkham Horror, I've got a number of expansions, Zombicide. Um, and then some of the cooperative games, cooperative board games, are a place I'd really like to explore and do. Just got the Lord of the Rings one from Fantasy Flight that I need to try out. Okay. So I'm very excited about that.
3: You likes. might want to check out, uh, there's this game called uh, Sprawl Ops that just came out.
10: <laughs> uh, uh, I have uh, heard of that. <laughs> we,
3: we, we got to play a little bit of that. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool.
10: Yeah, I like that game a lot. the uh, <laughs> whole reorganization that I had to do with my game collection post-cons. That my big black Sprawl Ops box got a lovely prominent place because they made it really pretty
2: nice
3: nice <laughs> as we've been mentioning the 6th world edition of Shadowrun is is coming out um there's been a lot of in- information about when that's going to be released i i did i th- at one point i remember reading that you were going to have some copies at Gen Con, but it's it's not actually available for um purchase for purchase yet or at least not as a, as of the recording this is a recording right yeah. so did you um because I'm looking course, forward to it. I'm That's looking great. forward to it, and I have none of my. We we weren't able to make it to Gen Con this year, and uh, nobody I know has posted pictures of of getting the book. <laughs> so did you so did you just have like a limited number of copies at Gen Con or?
10: Um. Actually, we had way more than we thought we were going to need. Um. The amount we had shipped in, so we had to air freight them in from China. Oh wow! And the amount we brought was considerably higher than sales we've ever had at Gen Con um, and we blew out of them
2: by Friday afternoon
3: <laughs> oh wow
2: <laughs> that's great that's so, wonderful for the yeah. company
10: so
3: you're like oh we uh, got more than we needed yeah. oh wait they're gone
10: God.
2: yeah <laughs> yeah.
10: ideally you know you sell that last copy at four o'clock on Sunday because you don't want people to go home without a copy but you don't want to have to pack anything back up Right. Uh, right. So we sold out a little earlier than I would like but the fact that it went so quick and there was so much enthusiasm was really awesome
3: Oh, very cool. And I, I think I read that, um, when pre-orders go in for the rest of us who weren't able to go <laughs> at Gen Con, uh, I, there was a mention of some interesting way that, uh, the PDF and the print, the hard copy, um, how, how you guys are going to be handling that.
10: Yeah. For, uh, for most of the fifth edition, we would have print and PDF bundles. So you could either buy the print or you could buy the PDF version, or if you bundled them together, you could get a discount. Um, now the bundle is you pay the print price And you get the PDF for free for no extra cost So if you buy the print We'll find a way to get you the PDF so you can have that I know I like to use both of them When I'm playing And so just getting them out to people Seemed like a good thing to do
3: Yeah I'm a huge fan of that idea. Yeah yeah, that's, that's appreciated
2: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well Matt did you have a question for him?
3: Oh I got, I got it,
2: plenty Okay,
7: But I guess the first would be You know kind of talked about getting into being a line developer but what do you do as a line developer with Shadowrun? you've obviously (laughs) done some writing in the past for a lot of people but
10: yeah and the the writing and excuse me writing and editing is uh, a very important part of it Mm -hmm. i mean basically if any book's going to come out i have to shepherd it through all the steps that need to happen to make it come out so at the beginning, that's coming up with a uh, outline of the book and a project spec that I present to management to say, this is what this book is going to be. This is why it's going to be cool. Here are the contents of it. And then they'll approve it. And then I hire the freelancers to write it, um, work with the art director to get a slate of images that the art director will then hire artists to do. And then as text comes in, I review all of it. Sometimes I write some of it, sometimes because I have to, because there's writers not quite getting text in, sometimes because Mm I want to, because like uh, we had a book that came out earlier this year, the Neo-Anarchist Streetpedia, Uh
2: which
10: was just, you know, an an encyclopedia that covered a whole bunch of topics in Shadowrun. And there was no way I was not saving some words for that for myself, because (laughs) I really was excited about that book we got to write it in kind of the smart-alecky, neo-anarchist tone, so I was going to write some of that. Awesome. Uh, and then, but it's reviewing all the text that comes in, then sending it out to editors, sending it out to proofers, getting it ready for layout. Um, if, if you want to go into being a line developer, get familiar with styles in Microsoft Word and how to <laughs> apply them, and enjoy applying them for hours at a time. It's exciting. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so...
4: Kind of a follow up to that. Do you have anything to do with any of the other Shadowrun products, um, products? like the the Hairbrain Schemes? I think they're like the video games. The and video the games, board or,
10: games, yeah, and the- yeah. I mean, m- most of the development of the video game was done by Hairbrain Schemes, but um, they wanted to coordinate with what we were doing and had done with the universe, and of course, you know, the, the head of Hairbrain Schemes started Shadowrun, so he knew the foundation of the universe quite well. (laughs) Oh, I guess that Mm -hmm. helps. Yeah. But he when they did a lot of the support materials that came out with the Kickstarter, like they had a short story anthology and they had some other books that came out. Um they tapped a lot of our writers. I did a story on the anthology and a lot of the other Shadowrun writers worked on that. And then one of our writers has done a lot of fiction for us, Jennifer Brozek, did a lot of the dialogue in the first game. Awesome.
3: Okay, I admit those games have been a lot of fun. So thanks yeah, for talking <laughs> about Shadowrun games. Let's let's just uh, mention a, a few of those because there's been a very interesting uh, sort of what history, I guess, of, of shadowrun related games. Yes, like there's the there's the 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 cl- the two classics, the uh, Super Nintendo one, and the Sega Genesis one, I think mm-hmm. it was. And it's like the Super Nintendo one was awesome, except it lets you do a lot of really weird stuff with your main character. But the Sega Genesis one had a really interesting matrix, uh, section in it. I want to say,
2: well, go on, mention the, the, the bastard child one, <laughs> which the Microsoft the one. Oh, the, the Microsoft, the one on the 360. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the,
3: the Microsoft, the, the 360 one,
2: <sighs>
3: which, um, which is a great game, but I never really felt like it was a uh,
2: shadow run. It
10: was,
2: it, it, was, it was a, yeah. it was a yeah. skin
10: well and it's an interesting story with all that because you know one of the people who worked on that was Mitch Gittleman who's with Harebrained Schemes and he's <laughs> in some ways made apologies for that while feeling bad because he worked with the people and they have some pride in it as a game but he knows that it didn't quite capture the Shadowrun flavor the way uh, they wanted to and so I think the Harebrained Schemes game have captured that flavor
2: oh yes Lots very there. much so very well,
10: if so. if that guilt
4: turned into those amazing games, then... Then we need more then... people to make bad games.
10: Bitch <laughs> <you? laughs> well, is more than a tone, so, so yes. we're
3: okay. <laughs> it, it's... Uh, I apologize. It, it's not a bad game. No, right? not at all. Like I said, it's, no, just, it's, just, it's not very just, shattering. <laughs>
10: exactly, yeah. It
3: would have made a good urban
10: brawl game. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yep. I think you're right. Um, okay.
2: <laughs> well, okay. So I have some questions because... Uh, first off, I've I've played Shadowrun since a little bit of second ed, but mostly third and fourth. I, I didn't really get into fifth that much, uh, so I'm super excited about sixth. But when reading through like the beginner box and what I've read about what's out there for sixth edition, I personally noticed, um, because we play a lot of other RPGs, both mainstream and and indie games is it seems like you've pulled in a lot of influences from other places like the, the way the edge and stuff Mm -hmm. works. So what, what kind of influences were you looking at that helped create sixth edition? Um, It's
10: tough to say any individual games, but in general, the movement in in role-playing games that I've seen is towards um, a little less rules heavy. And trying to build, trying to streamline some of the parts of the game that might otherwise bog down. So trying to build systems that can handle the modifiers calculation or tables look up and, right. and have them internal. Honestly, where I started with this game wasn't a role-playing game. It was uh, another game that Catalyst Game Labs came out uh, with a number of years ago called Leviathans. Okay. And what Leviathans did is instead of having modifiers that you would have to do, it's a miniatures combat game, essentially. And instead of figuring out how to adjust your target number back and forth, it just changes your dice color. So it says, okay, so if you are firing at this, you get a yellow die. And if you're firing at that side of a ship, you get a green die. And all those dice have the modifiers built into them. Okay. And so all you have to do is select the dice and roll. And so I wanted to think, how can I build a system that does some of that and takes some of the work of calculating modifiers away and just builds it into another mechanic. And that's what eventually became Edge after a long and winding process of design and playtesting.
2: Nice.
10: Um, so that's it's cool. just that kind of school of thought of trying to make it a little leaner while also giving a lot of good player options um, that influence this game.
3: Okay. And we, and we see, a, um, like when, uh, what is it, Shadowrun Anarchy... Mm-hmm. when that came out, which which definitely is um a much leaner rules wise but it's it's right. easier, it has a lot more of the i want to say narrative right. control into it,
2: and I guess because well, as a group, we play so many different games, it's kind of neat to see some of that you you see it's like, oh, that's kind of like x game or that 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 mechanic kind of reminds me of y game, but it's not uh-huh. the same, so it's neat to see how games evolve over the years because like I said at least I've played since second edition so yeah,
10: games can't help but influence each other and it is kind of fun to see as you're playing games you you, you do kind of pay attention to see what works and what you can um, borrow (laughs) (laughs) your games because you know you you always see cool mechanics and it's great to be able to keep moving things forward and see what you can do with them.
3: And uh, Ruby was talking about the beginner's box there. I was briefly which reminded me of when we when we got it it was
2: we got it at origins we
3: got it at origins and as soon as we were able to we opened that sucker up and we're looking through it and it was like oh my gosh look at this yeah. look at this yeah look at this and then when we brought it uh, brought it home and we're getting ready to play it i was like showing it off to everybody i like i love the
2: map the map is absolutely beautiful the map
3: was one of the big things that that we all really loved because it's like a huge map of seattle and then it's
2: such pretty colors and
3: then a map of a stuffer shack
2: I was like yeah so so props <laughs>
10: so to one of the the partners I worked with on that our managing developer Randall Bills handled most of the responsibilities of putting that together and we had that art from a previous project and that that city map is totally gorgeous as so we have to use it whenever we can yeah. um a lot of spearheading marking the locations and other things to make that map both pretty and useful yeah. so props to So as far as the
3: the map goes how often do you have to uh Get somebody in like a um, I assume like a catalyst games version of like one of those Google uh map cars <laughs> driving around Seattle to, to help update the streets and the locations and stuff, <sighs>
10: or,
3: or does Google just do all the work for you?
10: Google does it, yes. We just send up <laughs> we don't use Google Maps, it always helps to have some uh locals, like going back to Sprawl Ops. Uh-huh. Um, we had a lot of ma- expansion maps that we put in there, um, so we did maps of. Berlin and Toronto and, uh, Tokyo, nice. if I'm remembering right. So we had a lot of established material about like Seattle. So that wasn't hard to do. Um, but for Toronto, we didn't have a lot of shadow run about that. Uh-huh. So that was about turning to writers and other freelancers who have been there or lived there. And they were able to give a lot of great feedback on what we should put in and how we could translate it into the sixth world. And for Berlin, we have a company that does the German translation of all Shadowrun stuff. So they know Berlin plenty and they were able to give us great information and feedback on what we could put in Berlin. Wonderful. Awesome.
3: Okay. Now so, I know that Shadowrun's always been really big in Germany. Germany. Yeah. Is is do you find that still to be the like one of the the biggest uh markets? Markets, so to speak. <laughs>
10: Yeah, I, we, we've been able to expand our uh, foreign partners lately, um, but the, the German ones have been there ever since I became line developer, and they seem to have released the most Shadowrun stuff of any of the licensing partners we have, um, and they also just have a great energy and passion for it they care deeply about Shadowrun, and so it's always great to see them work on the stuff that they really are into.
2: About the Beginner's Box, we, because I think we mentioned in the pre-interview that we do a lot of uh, reviews of quick starts and beginner uh, sessions or whatnot of different RPGs, and in the Beginner's Box, there's a beginner's adventure in there. (laughs) Uh, So John was going to mention something about that.
3: Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) So so I think... um Everybody at the table except for Matt because mm-hmm. he was out of town. We 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 got to play that and do the review of the the Quick Start. Um, so they went they went through it twice. <laughs> I don't want to uh I want to tell you how the first one kind of went down because it's kind of funny. I'm not gonna say anything. About, were... I'm yeah. not gonna say anything about the second one because I don't want to get all s- uh, spoilery for any of our listeners who, who want to try it. Uh, but the first one because these are guys that have been running Shadowrun for for years <laughs> and such, and they're all reading their dossiers and I, I describe what's going down okay well there's some people there's a bunch of gangers who are, seem to be showing up and they somebody's blocking the front door and they're saying hey uh you know it's, it's in your best interest to not come out and so they go okay fine uh we're just gonna go out the back door and just go home <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I
3: was like, yeah, well, it says here, we just got through with the job and got
2: plenty of, money. plenty of money.
3: We're just stopping by for some snacks. That's none of our business. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, let's, let's try this again.
10: <laughs> Always good to have peaceful law abiding the shadow runners. Not looking to make any trouble. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I, I think Strong they,
3: calm. yeah, I think they were just trying to not make any additional trouble. <laughs> If
10: they don't have the paycheck immediately dangling in front of the trouble. It's really worth it. <laughs>
2: exactly, especially outside a stuffer shack.
3: Right, so that's why I had to stress to them. You know, when you see the limo, yeah, uh, Newian signs flash into your eyes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, we were going to reset it anyway because you knew how it was going to play out. You've been running for us for years. Right, it,
3: it was pretty funny. We had we had a similar experience when I, the first time I ran um, on the run for these guys. Yeah. Because I think Mr. Johnson tells them. The cathode
2: them, glow. Mr. Johnson the, tells yeah.
3: them once you get this thing, don't look at it. Bring it here. And they got it like almost right away. Yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. We just call it Mr. Johnson and turn it back in. It's like,
2: oh well.
10: It assumed
3: you hmm, were going to be rest nosy. Of this assumes that you're going to look into it and. <laughs> a
10: bunch yeah. Of <laughs> I hope that's something I've learned as a game master um, is, is to try to read my groups and figure out what motivates them and know what they do. And it's <laughs> tough to put that in adventure, especially a, a, a pretty written one, to try to make it work for all groups. Right. Uh, um, but figuring out those right pressure points for a group and so you give them the thing that they will respond to definitely helps the experience overall. Right, right.
3: But, but it was, anyways. That was our. That was. I thought that was a pretty funny uh, <laughs> way to get through that. That it's quick. Always
10: good to remember start. that we need to throw dollar signs <laughs> up the, dollar as soon as possible.
3: Yeah. Okay, uh, Matt. I think you had a.
7: Yeah, just going back to the like you were talking about Toronto um, and kind of fleshing that out. I was curious if you like if you as a. Line developer worked with that and had ideas if you brought teams of your freelance writers together to kind of brainstorm about what, you know, what will Toronto look like 40, 50, 60 years from now in this Are shadow war. Are you asking
3: if he, if he brought in actual Canadians? <laughs> well, <talk
7: about? laughs> Canadians, or if you Frenchies. brought them together in groups, if if uh, writers were working together or if it was a lot of independent thoughts, kind of coming together to create this idea of Shadowrun in the future. Oh, okay. Yeah.
10: Yeah, I, it, they definitely come together, but not physically. And that's, uh, Catalyst is a virtual corporation. We have no physical headquarters. Most of the managers are in Seattle. I live in Chicago.
2: Very shadow runny. <laughs>
10: yeah, exactly. And the, the writers are scattered all over the place. Um, But it was kind of fun because since we did the basic background research of Toronto for the Sprawl Ops map, when another project was coming up and I needed to set it in a North American city, I thought, well, we just developed all this stuff for Toronto. Why don't we set it there? And so there are a couple of writers working on a background section right now about Toronto for this book um, that will be coming out later this year, if everything goes according to plan, so you'll get a whole campaign set there that will uh, take place over the take place over the course of thirty nights. That's the title of the book. Is thirty oh, nights?
2: That's what that is. Okay.
10: Mm-hmm. Awesome. So wow. <laughs> you'll but- get to you spend uh, some time in the city as it disintegrates around you.
8: Neat.
4: <laughs> so I've got a question back to the. Uh... I guess the beginner's box, there oh. was cards. Oh, yeah. Um, so are, are the cards something you're going to be pushing more in the future? Not um, just yeah.
2: the NPC, but the gear yeah. and the, the spells and things.
10: Yeah, we want to see what kinds of cards we can do. So the NPC we've already uh, released, um, we're going to try to do some location cards. So if there's any type of building you run into, it'll have a quick rundown of how many entrances it's got, basic layout where security is that sort of thing so you could just pull out a card and use it quickly and i would like to do more gear and spell cards too
2: a a nice gm tool to help you i
3: was gonna say as a gm i i really dig all of
0: that
4: yeah just as as a a habitual rigor player the the dream of like having (laughs) just having a deck of cards for all the drones just that that excites me it's that's that's how did that feel right? You're like, oh, what, what drone do I need for this situation? Oh, we'll take out a fly spy. Or, yeah. Yeah.
10: Well, I should tell you yeah. about a conversation I had with our president at Gen Con. So we're planning out the 2020 schedule, mm-hmm. and I'm telling him what books I have in mind. And then he says, you know what I want to do for the first year of 6th edition, just to throw a curveball? I want the rigor book. In year one.
2: Instead of magic? <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, not instead
10: of magic. It'll be magic and then rigor.
2: Oh, nice. Oh, very cool.
10: So you're going to get a rigor book. So then if we have all the drones in that book, which of course we'll need to, that would set us up to have an accompanying deck of cards with that.
2: That's very cool. Riggers, kind of, yeah, riggers and hackers and whatnot always felt like the, the bastard children coming out last. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have quite the grin
10: on my face right now. <laughs> So those are my marching orders. So that's what we'll do.
2: Wonderful.
3: (laughs) That's very cool. You're right. That will throw a. A curveball to some of us old-timers, but a delightful one.
7: Ruin all my plans. God. <laughs> uh,
3: that's, that's, yeah, that's that's exactly what, what Jason said. How can I ruin
10: Matt's plans? This, exactly. This guy on this podcast. That's what our president mentioned specifically, yeah. <laughs> we need well, Matt. That's who we need to mess with. Like,
3: There's this guy in Portland here named Matt.
2: <laughs> See, he I didn't show
7: to did. Gen Con this year, so. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Okay, so <laughs> what do you think your favorite thing was that got developed for sixth edition? be it a rule, a setting, a, a piece of fluff? what was what did what got you most excited about the sixth edition? So I, I like
10: the whole edge mechanism, but probably the first thing I came up with, and be, because it was something that had been working in my head, I got to design the whole thing and write the whole chapter, was the way magic and spell casting works. In 6th edition, from the ground up, it's built to have a modular system for spell design. So basically, you can pick different ingredients to combine into a spell, and then that tells you what the drain is, and then you know, have the basic effects. So when the magic books comes out, uh, you'll be able to create your own spells with this list of ingredients, because that's the way all the magic was already designed. So I'm really looking forward to playing with that.
2: I am as well, seeing so how that's probably my favorite yeah. classes to play.
3: That's very cool. Or, or so, types. So I know in the in the box in the box set we get a <laughs> kind of a taste of some of the magic with the, the way to amp up the different spells, right? Um, and I know that in, you know it says you know there's there's spirits, but we're leaving this out of the out of the um, beginner's box for now. I'm curious how spirits are going to work because if, if there's no force ratings being used on spells, and that was a big thing for spirits, uh, have
10: they been how are, redesigned? How are they being and, redesigned or, yeah. They actually do still have force. Uh, it just worked for them because there's a good balance there of how powerful you want the force to be and how much drain you have to take. So spirits work very similar. To okay.
3: That's cool because spirits are, are a big part of at least the way we play Shadowrun. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
10: yeah. yeah. They're a lot, they're absolutely in the core book, so you'll have full rules for them and all the types of spirits and all the good stuff, except for uh, bound spirits. No, not that's not in the core book, but everything else is.
2: Okay.
3: Those usually come later anyway, yeah. those bound spirits you gotta work up to it you gotta work up you gotta exactly. initiate you gotta initiate into that first
6: right
3: <laughs> and speaking of of spirits, um since you're coming to us from Chicago, oh. I understand there's a bit of a bug infestation down there
10: always um, <laughs> they they you know dropped a nuclear bomb, so that helped a little bit, yeah just a little. <laughs> Um, And and the season eight of missions cleaned it up a little bit more, but not entirely.
3: Okay. Yeah. I was wondering about that. It was like, how, how are things going to be? Are we going to see some changes with how bug cities being treated?
10: Uh, Some changes, but in the end it's going to, it's not going to go entirely bad. It's not going to go entirely good. It's still going to have some of that middle ground of chaos in the containment zone, because that's, a fun part of Chicago, but that's also when we ran the mission at a convention, that's uh, kind of the result they ended up with.
3: Hmm. Okay.
2: Personally, not a big missions player, but that's cool. I interesting to see how missions affect campaign yeah. overall.
3: And, and several of us here have uh, tried, tried our hand at mission at one point or another.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, to varying degrees of success. <laughs> uh, so I'm wondering how six, how the six world edition, how's that going to affect uh, missions uh, at some point i'm sure that it's gonna it's gonna be well you have to go to sixth edition i didn't know if there was also going to be a you know I, a split between using fifth edition and sixth edition i was
2: gonna say i'm pretty sure i read that t- they're still in tokyo neo tokyo okay. and that it was fifth and sixth transitioned right okay so you're not exactly. moving the new season quite yet you're you're freshly in tokyo
10: Right. So Tokyo will is the setting for Season 9. They've been playing those at conventions for a little bit, and we'll get them uh, released in the near future. But those will be dual-statted, so whether you're playing 5th edition or 6th edition, you can use them.
2: But then again, you also seem to do that at the end of every run. So you have dual stats in some of the books that are coming out, or at least an easy conversion at the end of a run of like an addition to the new run of the edition. You did that between 4th and 5th, too.
10: Right. That's right. Yeah, we had a, a couple of missions compilations that came out that, that were dual stated around that time. I mean, I know that uh, not everyone's going to transition to a new edition immediately, and I want people to still have fun playing whatever they're playing. The, the tagline I've used a lot is no matter what you're playing, whether you're playing a board game, card game, role-playing game, whatever, I want you playing Shadowrun. <laughs> so we're here to make the tools so that you can play Shadowrun however you want to play.
3: Very cool.
7: Well, and on that note of transitioning editions and all that, very, very, very important question. (laughs) Uh, How much thought goes into the new colors for each edition? So, So like, sixth edition, there are lots of nice fun purples. Fifth, there are lots of reds. Fourth, you
3: the had green. Yeah, it comes the blues that and greens. Like, so is so, that Matrix green? Yeah, I, I,
2: I totally, I totally made him ask the question because I didn't want the color question coming from the girl.
7: What? <laughs> I'm also very curious. I like that Obst- hyper purple
10: so much. So much thought. <laughs> The the amount of times we looked at cover mock ups with different shades of purple. And once we settled on purple, and that took some discussion mm-hmm. because we had done red, we had done blue for the fourth edition anniversary, green for yeah. regular fourth edition. Yeah. So we'd made it through a lot of the main colors and then we settled on purple. And we had to do a ton of mock-ups of different shades of purple, how <laughs> it looked on the black background, how the S was shaped, all of that. It, it actually is a lot of thought and work. And, and our design person, I'm sure, was ready to throw on all of us at some point. <laughs> yeah, But it, it came up with a great design. Yeah, yeah it, it looks
4: sharp. It's kind of going into the, like, the, the retro vaporwave stuff um, that's coming back around from the 80s again. <laughs> Um, I don't know, it seems. Hmm. Oh, yeah, sixth
2: yeah. edition advances the timeline again.
4: Mm-hmm. So it's From like 180s eight?
3: to another eighty. Yeah, 180s <laughs> to another.
2: Yeah, it wasn't
10: a big jump this time because we've been moving toward that 2080 anyway. So we just fully arrived just in time for sixth edition to come out.
2: Cool. So I think that's one of those neat things about Shadowrun. There's a lot of things that I like about it, but the fact that even your publications actually advance the timeline, so it's not a static game saying, okay, here's the setting, and then there's nothing that advances it, you know, that it's all personal play that advances it. So I think it's neat that the company has thought about these games and how it's going to progress. Yeah, yeah, I love having
10: that long plot line and, and being able to just build on elements from the past and keep things going and figuring out what else can we do because there's so many stories you can tell. What can we do that's an interesting story that gives players cool things to do?
3: Right. Yeah, there's elements of the past and elements of the future coming together.
2: Okay. I got it. I didn't think I'd have a lot of questions and I, I like to just kind of, when they come to me, ask. But uh, so how I got interested in, in Shadowrun was because I was into Earth Dawn. So, nice. <laughs> and, and in all honesty, Shadowrun is probably the most techie, rules-heavy game that I really like. That and BattleTech. Go figure. Um, <laughs> other than that, I'm I'm typically more of a fantasy type person, be it medieval or what whatnot. I don't like a lot of the hard sci-fi type games, but Shadowrun just Fully has drawn me in because of the connection to Earth Dawn. Are there any things that you're planning on kind of referencing back to Earth Dawn or bringing it up? Or is I it mean, a it's ma- a
10: little tricky because uh, Earth Dawn is still owned by FASA, and FASA, after mm. being kind of dormant for years, it's... has reemerged and they have the Earth Dawn okay. line moving and they're bringing out new material for it. Um, so they're a different company, uh, and so we can't tread on their toes too much. Gotcha. Um, but a lot of the writers um, love Earth Dawn. Some of them are actually writing for the new Earth Dawn line, so we have writers going back and forth between each game. Um, so I, I think the influence is still there, but we have to be careful about any direct connections. Right. Yeah. So
2: you're not admitting that yeah, Earth Dawn was a thing for Shadowrun, but you're not gonna explicitly go there.
10: Uh, I think that's a good summary of it. Yep.
3: Okay. And and honestly, it was there was never a lot of like real. Like solid overt calling it out before there was always hints, they may have been kind of obvious hints. Well, that's obviously this character <laughs> out of here, okay. or his this character's yeah. name, if you translate it into German, is this okay? But it was never like, you know, ah, yes, I remember back in Earth Dawn times when <laughs> I was in my care waiting for the horrors to pass. <sighs>
10: uh, yeah, they were they were subtle about it, but they you could definitely play a lot of games and find. Finding the connection, which is always good. With
3: the Six world stuff, I know I've heard that there's going to be an an interesting, innovative GM screen. And I'm all about the GM stuff. What can you tell us about that?
10: This is one of those times where I very much had to uh, eat humble pie as a developer. Because when we first started talking about it, both the president and the managing developer were saying, let's think of ways we can push the GM screen and, and make it more interesting and innovative. And I was like, it's a GM screen. It's there to give you information. It's got tables, it's got pictures. That's what it does. And they kept pushing me on it and came up with ideas. And eventually I was like, Oh, okay. I see what you're talking about. And so it's got a lot of interesting things in it. So on the inside, it's got uh, some tables. It's, it's a four panel GM screen. Uh, two panels of those are tables and then it's also got a lot of pockets, so you can customize what your display is. It has some reference cards included in there, so you can pick up which ones you want to put in the pockets. But you can also put NPC cards, uh, oh, as yeah. gear and spell cards put out, you can come out, you can put them in the pockets. That's And neat. then there's some pockets near the top, so you could put an NPC card there, so the pitcher is facing out to the player, so they see who they're dealing with, and you see the stats behind. Oh, uh, There's also a big pocket on the front, so you can change the image facing the players whenever you want, and it comes with, if I remember right, eight or so double-sided images, so you can constantly rotate the images that you're showing the players. And then 6th edition has the heat mechanic, so you can track how much heat is coming on you uh, as a player, and so there are sliders on the exterior of the screen, so you can slide them up and down to indicate what kind of pressure is coming on the players. And you can customize who the trackers are tracking. So whether it's their overall heat or heat from As Technology, or heat from Horizon or heat from any other corp or any other group, you can put stickers next to the trackers to show who the heat tracker is for and then move those sliders up and down in real time in the game to show people, okay, now you've got more pressure on you because you just, you know, killed a Renraku security guard, which was a bad move on your part. So now they're mad <laughs> at you.
2: That sounds amazing.
10: Yeah.
3: See, I was intrigued when you said cards, and then I was sold when you said stickers.
10: <laughs> but being able to yeah, stick there's those, a lot of customizability in this. Yeah, thing.
3: being able to stick those NPC uh, cards up there is great because you mm-hmm. know sometimes the GMs like you know all their NPCs kind of sound the same, and I don't have to make paper bag puppets for all the NPCs anymore. So that's, great. <laughs> <laughs>
10: that's right. You have patience
7: to point to. I will miss the googly eyes, though.
3: <laughs> it's hard to take Mr. Johnson serious. His eye keeps falling off. Awesome. Uh,
4: that that does sound like an incredible way to innovate on a GM screen. Yeah. I, at first, I was I. I was thinking, how do you innovate on a GM <laughs> All right, screen? So, so I was that a li- kind of blew I me away. Would,
3: yeah, I understand. Yeah. I, I was a little worried when I heard about that because I was like, you know, with Paranoia, the newest edition, they did a, air quotes, innovative GM screen, which was basically they put a big target on it and it's like the players can throw cards at the GM screen and <laughs> turn it down. And it's, and it's like, I've, I've, I've just heard complaints about that. So I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs>
10: Yeah, I'm very anxious to get it out in people's hands to see what they do with it, all right. and to get one for myself because I want to
7: play with it. Uh, do potatoes exist in the Shadowrun future? Oh, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> of course uh, well, they do. Well, to, well I, uh, no, it's good to know.
4: Well, we we did um, t- we we went out and got the uh, the Impossible Whopper, yeah, and, uh-huh. and commented er, for as we were eating it. Yeah, we yeah. were like, yeah, this is kind of like you
10: know
2: Shadowrun well, futuristic, all, all the all the soy product. Yeah,
7: yeah. yeah.
10: Shadowrun is all about the cheap, easily spreadable, non-meat food substances. <laughs> so so soy's a big one, but potatoes, absolutely.
3: I was going to say, so I guess what Matt really wants to know is what are potato futures like
10: <laughs> <is> <laughs> in the world of Shadowrun?
3: Should our characters be oh, chucking down massive amounts of new in, year's into uh, potatoes? I actually did have another
2: question. So Shadowrun, you know, the world, big magic comes back, all this stuff. Well, that's next year. So oh, yes. anything oh. special that you're planning to do, promotion-wise? Or, or... It was
10: actually 2012. 2012. So we, uh, we, we had a whole countdown sticker, and we did some news stories on the blog at the day of the Awakening was supposed to happen.
2: Oh, I don't remember yeah. that.
10: Yeah, we did some stuff back then. And then um, I think that was around the time Sixth World Almanac came out. Sixth World Almanac came out a little before then, if I'm remembering right. But that had a big Aztec calendar on it on the cover.
1: Yeah,
10: kind of referenced the whole calendar that was used to calculate the awakening.
3: Okay, I've been looking at uh, Tokyo in Japan, waiting to see if anybody <laughs> put any reports of a of a giant dragon bursting out of Mount Fuji.
10: That's been mine. He's not supposed to be subtle. He's supposed to be very obvious, so people need to really look in and give reports. Right.
3: So I've been uh, I've been watching Instagram and. Twitter for that
10: because that's what's gonna happen.
3: (laughs) (sighs) Absolutely. So so up until that point, it's just a possible future. Oh we will know soon enough (laughs) if it is an alternate future. But I will say this every time there's been some sort of technology or such that's been introduced into Shadowrun. Yeah. uh, all of us being the people we are, we always go, Oh, let me share this article now. Look, they're developing this thing (laughs) that's right out of Shadowrun. Mm You know, comlinks li- com are so totally a thing that we all kind of have right now.
10: <laughs> Being a run line developer is a great way to keep abreast of uh, technology and of dystopian government and corporate practices. <laughs> because whenever something yeah. new technology happens or whenever someone does something that really feels like a Shadowrun corporate or government practice, yeah. they send it to me. Yeah. So I get the email, the oh, wow. messages, and people are like, oh, that's Shadowrun. So I, I get to a whole bunch of people just being a new service for me. So it's, it's great.
3: So you'll get something that says, we need to make the drone smaller. Smaller. <laughs>
10: <laughs> yeah, I get lots of cool drone pics, and yeah, sometimes it looks like – our drone technology is ahead of where Shadowrun was in 2070, so yeah, we need to adapt a little. Uh, I
7: mean, we got Wi-Fi in 2050, so we're, we're good. Yeah.
10: <laughs> what were the drones? I sent something to the freelancer, uh, freelancer group, because I've got a freelancer group where we talk about stuff, and there were some cool drones that I saw. Well, I can't remember now.
3: I saw one just recently. It's a drone that, that it flies, and then it hits the water, and then it goes underwater, and it's still built like <laughs> one of those you know, one of those uh, X-shaped ones that they have now that have the four propellers on it. Okay. So it's just like that. So it hits the water and then flips upside down, and the rotors on it is what helps propellers. it move around.
4: in the water. Yeah, I was I was talking with the uh, the cardiologist, and he was actually saying that they're um, they're looking at delivering the automatic defibrillators via drones now, um, because they can get there faster <laughs> yes. than oh, okay.
2: than the EMS than, and, can. Yeah. Wow!
10: Oh, this is what it was—liquid magnets. Oh, magnets! (laughs) Yeah, you can have a liquid that is permanently magnetic, so it can change its shape. Yeah, I do remember seeing that.
2: Then they said, "That's how you get." Do you want uh, Terminator Threes? That's how you get Terminator (laughs) Threes. Yep.
9: Oh wow!
10: So look for that in the rigor book. Yeah.
3: Okay. Is there going to be a giant uh, meme war that's that's going (laughs) to erupt in one of the? uh, in the hacker or excuse me the decker book the matrix book that comes out.
10: <laughs> almost inevitably
2: uh, all right well uh if there's nothing else
3: well doug did you have oh, it? oh, oh, oh yeah I, okay this is an important question um if and any of anybody here at the table can answer that if you could get a monkey that was trained to do one thing what would it be <laughs> it's a standard question that we ask all of our guests on this warm gas podcast
2: to stop a you from asking that to a question. Work
10: document. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be useful. Yeah, I just throw the document to the monkey as soon as it comes in, and then it comes back perfectly formatted. I'd be the happiest person.
7: Uh-huh. Uh
2: huh. Isn't that what you pay like interns for?
7: But the monkey, you wouldn't have to pay.
2: Oh, okay.
7: okay, okay. <laughs> you just
10: yeah, pay. and I'd love to have an intern, but
2: I don't have. It. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right. Well, that was my my big burning question. Wow. So, so
4: So, being uh both of these have a matrix, what are your thoughts uh, on the Matrix 4 just being announced?
10: <laughs> I I am always excited to look for anything Matrix. So, I'm willing to follow them where they go, you know. They I'm not saying I trust them to always be good, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I know the potential for coolness is there, so I'm happy to See it moving forward and I hope it'll be cool.
2: You can enjoy a bad movie just as good as a good movie.
10: Sometimes that's true.
3: Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I I think that's a good way to segue out of out of here. So, uh once again, we've been talking some more Shatterin in particular 6 World edition uh stuff with Jason Hardy of um Catalyst, uh, he's the Shadowrun Line developer.
2: His Royal Highness.
3: His Royal Highness. I'm sorry, that's, he asked <laughs> us to call him that. Uh, I, tried I did. Actually, I think Catalyst sent us a an agreement we had to sign before. It's like, if he's coming on the show.
10: <laughs> it was delivered by a guy. Playing, yeah, you didn't read this all print on that agreement, did you? You didn't pay too much attention to the legalese? Because it would be great for me if you didn't.
7: <laughs> I know mean, it's wrapped up in all this red velvet it was kind of hard to it was, it was very distracting handwritten and in cursive
3: yeah. <laughs> so so jason where can people where should people go to um keep an keep abreast of all the shatter and six world or purchase news, or or possibly purchase some shatter Run stuff
10: yeah shatter Six World.com is the website you can uh, like Shadowrun on facebook with a lot of it News goes up there. I should have mentioned before, I don't know when this will go live, but uh, PDF sales and print pre-orders are set to go live on Monday, the August 26th.
2: So, awesome. As they all scramble to jot down this information. At uh, <laughs> com. As, you
4: know, you probably made four sales. Yeah. <laughs> Just from us. Yeah. Five, maybe.
10: Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I think the announcement saying that the PDF will go on sale... Um, on Monday was posted while we were talking together. Oh, oh Hey, Oh, awesome.
7: Uh, perfect uh, time to host a podcast. we we'll yeah. just,
2: <laughs> it's been really great talking with you. I'm glad you put up with our silliness.
10: That's yeah. the best kind of interview to do. Non-silly <laughs> interviews are
7: terrible.
3: And Matt with his potato questions.
7: They're very important <laughs> questions for a very important future. Yeah.
3: So, so while we were offline, you said something about, um, the character that your that your son likes to play. I thought it was. Pretty
10: yes. Funny. He, uh, he sometimes has trouble putting together Christmas lists, so one thing that he just fell in love with was the Rotato <laughs> potato peeler. So we got him a Rotato peeler, <laughs> and so named his next Shadowrun character Rotato Jones.
2: Oh, That's Sam. great. That's amazing.
7: I'm assuming a Street Sam, but...
2: I don't
3: know. Uh, yeah, with it could
7: vindicare? go... <laughs> oh, true. What'd you say? I
10: think <laughs> one might a little more space, space combat combined... He my son really likes the social aspect of the game. He likes to charm people. Yeah. At least try to. He doesn't always succeed. Well, them dice. <laughs> yeah, oh. dice is his problem,
2: sure. <laughs> really not being an awkward teenager, you know. <laughs> that might be part of it too. Yeah.
3: Well, awesome. So on on that note about Rotato Jones, look out, he might be showing up in some of these Shadowrun materials. <laughs> <laughs>
10: My son has already pressured me to do that so he's going <laughs> to fry his barnads yes.
3: He'll be the little easter egg kind of hidden in some of this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, okay. thank you for talking with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It was fun to
10: talk to you guys. Right. Yeah, likewise.
5: Bzz. Swankass has board game reviews for you. Yeah, you got the good, bad, and other stuff to tell you. So listen up to our board game review. You really like it, or I'll make you eat your (laughs) shoes.
7: All right. So today we have Bang the Dice Game by Dv Uh, Number of players: This plays from three to eight players. Uh, age range of 8+, and a time of between 15-25 minutes.
2: In the Wild West, the eternal battle between the law and the outlaws keeps he- heating up. Suddenly, a rain of arrows darken the sky. It's an Indian attack! Okay. Are you bold enough to keep up with the Indians? Do you have the courage to challenge your fate? Can you expose and defeat the ruthless gunmen around you? All the excitement of bang, now with dice! Dun-dun-dun. So
3: playing this game and reviewing it are myself, John. Hey, how's it going, guys? Ruby.
7: Tom. Matthew. <laughs> Tim. Johnny. Doug.
3: Ah, thanks for that, Doug. Um, <laughs> so what's something good we can say about Bang! The Dice Game?
7: It has dice. It's pretty uh, awesome.
3: Okay, so the best <laughs> thing about this game is that it's got
1: dice. No,
7: but it's a good thing. I
1: like okay. dice.
2: It plays pretty, pretty quick. Yeah,
1: it does, it's pretty fast-moving. It, it's very easy to pick up.
2: Yes. yes I was only half paying attention. Well, okay. I wasn't even <laughs> half paying attention, and I still understood. Mm-hmm. So you being no, very no. generous yeah, to yeah. yourself. Yes.
3: <laughs> That's true. You were barely paying attention to it. Uh, so some of the basics about this game is you're you're all sitting around just trying to shoot each other. That's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. What if, <laughs> one of you is a sheriff. Everyone else has other different roles, like deputy, renegade, outlaws. And you have little character sheet cards that... Let you manipulate the dice in certain ways, all that fun stuff. Like we said, plays really quick. Is there anything bad we want to say about this game?
7: I'm guessing it plays very similarly every time you play. I mean, I don't know for sure. Maybe people have different strategies, but I know all of us kind of settled into a right. heal the sheriff, uh, shoot the uh, obvious outlaws kind of. A
3: well, yeah, and like I said, almost right away, I was like, oh, so says, the says renegades. Renegade. So the yeah. so the renegades <laughs> the renegades pretty much going to be a deputy up until the very end of the game. Which is interesting,
7: and it would be cool if you could
3: play as a renegade with a little bit more variation, as like, like at the last second you go, haha! But I'm actually working for the sheriff. So, well, I think that's where Bang, not
4: the dice game, comes in.
0: Because
4: while while Bang, the dice game um, is is nice and quick. You you the dice force you to take action. Um, yeah. Bang, yes. not the dice game. Um, all of those versions lets you have the that's the intrigue about who is really what
1: let, lets you simmer a little bit so this yeah.
2: is just a very simplified more fast-paced version
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if i'd say simplified but definitely fast-paced because
2: well, it as pretty it, as said damn that, simple
1: that, well i mean the the social intrigue element is yeah. uh is forced out pretty quickly because you yeah. have to you have to act and you have to act towards your objective at some point because okay. you're not guaranteed maybe more than one Roll of the die. <laughs> okay,
2: I, I think maybe we teetered into the other. I think we did too. Now,
3: so. so, what's some other other stuff we could say about <laughs> well about you, this game?
7: You still have player elimination, like in Bang yeah. and its variants, which is and can be a frustrating.
3: Oh yeah, honestly, player elimination normally is a bad thing. Yeah, but but this, so but this goes so yeah. fast that it's it's not
7: horrible. Exactly, and it's way better than the card game because it moves fast enough. Right, like if you're eliminated in the card game, could be another hour. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah something else I'll throw out that's kind of other about this game is all the Italian text that's also on the cards oh, it's yeah. really hard to not just uh, slip into that uh, that fake Italian accent
9: <laughs> it's
4: okay. like spaghetti western games. Sp- yeah, yeah. there all the Italian is in front of the English
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> so right
2: so. so this was bang the dice game by DV Gucci bang
3: bang 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 bang
2: bang
1: dice bang
3: plug <laughs> <laughs> them up Pretzel games for ages eight and up, two to ten. Cowpoke plays in about four to five minutes. Join the sheriff or the outlaws and confront your rivals in ten epic scenarios. Yeehaw! Yeah. Woohoo! Playing this game, we had uh, we had the lawman, Sheriff John, and his deputy Ruby. Howdy. And those no good varmints you may have seen their wanted pictures up everywhere. The infamous. Uh, Tim the Dastardly. Howdy. And uh, Two-Gun Brooklyn.
2: I thought she was Brooklyn the Kid.
3: Brooklyn the Kid.
2: Howdy, folks.
3: All right, guys. So we played (laughs) Flick'Em Up. What did we think of Flick'Em Up? What was some good stuff we could say about Flick'Em Up? You get to flick things around and knock things over. That's true. There's all these wooden meeples and wooden standees and stuff, and you're... You are literally, box. yeah, and you're literally flicking things around.
2: Yep. Mhm.
3: And that's how you shoot things. You flick, flick, uh, blocks at people. You move by flicking a little disc. Yep.
2: Yeah. It's a lot of flicking fun.
3: It's a lot of flicking fun. <laughs> uh, it does. It does play pretty fast. Yeah. It plays within the time frame. Probably the longest part would be setting up whatever scenario you're trying to play.
2: No, uh-huh. see, I think the longest time was you reading out the rules and things to us.
3: Well, that's because you guys weren't paying
2: attention. I really wasn't. So I, wasn't I was paying attention. paying attention. Except
3: for Tim. Tim was paying
2: attention. Well,
3: and it showed Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Not in my aim, that's for sure. Well, so what's some. Uh, so, <laughs> we're being all sorts of thematic with Flick'em Up. We just mentioned the good, so what's something bad that we can say about this, this game? Flick'em Up.
6: It's uh, hard to aim. Well, well, that's, that's the, that's the mechanic
3: personal. of the me. So you could say, well, because it's a dexterity right. game, if you're not very dexterous.
0: Yeah, you also probably want to get up from the table. So this isn't a necessarily a sit down game. That's yeah, true. You're
2: moving around the table.
0: That's true. This is not couch potato friendly. Yeah, it, it, it'd be more like a pool. But yeah, yeah, with yeah. fingers. Uh, <laughs> take that how you want. Get um, out your pool fingers. It's time for flick them up. The other thing I can see that's kind of bad is there's a considerable about, considerable amount of things to assemble and disassemble
2: uh yeah but it seems like it goes together pretty easy.
0: yeah it goes together easily but you know that's like the first time you're probably gonna be sitting there fiddling with it and yeah, then yeah,
2: okay. when okay. you're
0: first time putting it back you're gonna have to figure out where everything goes
2: so okay. I'm pretty
0: sure like the stuff in there has already been like pre-sorted and organized
3: well I did kind of okay. look through everything and punched everything out and it was, it was a lot of fun doing that but that's me
0: yeah, that's you, John.
3: So it kind of has that, that sort of like with, if you're familiar with, Rampage has a, has this initial set aside like an hour just to set up the game.
2: <laughs> not the first time at least.
3: Right. Um, but unlike Rampage, there's not stickers and stuff you had to put on this, so yeah. uh, which took the most time. But we're not talking about Rampage. We're talking about Flick'Em Up. Yeah. So we mentioned some good and some bad. So let's talk about some of the ugly, or other as it, we call it,
2: it's wooden. It's all nice and wooden. Yeah. I like it.
3: And this copy we played, is, is the, it comes in a nice wooden box. Normally it just comes in a um, cardboard box, but this one was special.
0: The buildings are cardboard.
3: That's right. The buildings so the are, are, are the cardboard. Okay.
0: But they're thick cardboard.
3: Yeah, they're that nice thick cardboard. Okay. Which is good, because
0: if you keep shooting them like Tim was... I only I shot the cactus more than I shot the buildings. <laughs> That's true. I think you only shot the Undertaker a few times.
2: So I like, at least with this version with the wooden box, that there was enough extra room in it that I know you said there were expansions. It looks like they fit yeah, in there as well.
3: Yeah. There's at least a couple expansions. We did not uh, play out the expansions. Apparently one of the expansions has uh, horses? horses, which sounds awesome.
0: It's nice when you get a game that has the box where you can actually organize everything in it. Yeah. All right. Well, again, that was... Flick'em up by Pretzel Games. High Noon
3: Saloon by Slugfest Games. For two to six players, ages 10 and up, plays in 30 to 60 minutes.
1: (laughs) Y'all. On a winding desert road in the middle of nowhere lies a town with no name. In this town, you'll find a place where no slight goes unentered and no fight stays private. The roughest, toughest watering hole in the Old West. The High Noon Saloon.
3: Yeehaw! And this time we got a bunch of cowpokes sitting around the table, going, "Reviewed this game and played it." Uh, that's including myself, John. Also, we have who's probably not going to use an accent,
1: Doug, <laughs> Johnny,
3: Tim,
7: Mr. Matthew, and Thomas Smith. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is an awesome review so far. So. Let's, what's, some, what's some good stuff we can say about this game? Uh, first off, before we get into it, we'll say that if, for those of you familiar with Slugfest game um, Kung Fu Fighting, this game is, like, is very much like a Wild West version of that. So what's some good stuff we could say about High Noon Saloon?
7: It's a lot of fun watching people throw shotguns around. (laughs) It turns out really narrative. Like, we were just coming up with stories for how the cards put together in a way that was very entertaining.
3: Yeah, and Kung Fu Fighting is kind of like that, too. Everyone's nodding their head saying,
7: nope.
3: It's Kung Fu Fighting, and it's in a West setting. So what's some bad stuff we could say about this? It's Kung Fu Fighting in a Wild West (laughs) setting. This is Kung Fu Fighting with a Wild West setting.
7: I would guess it plays in more than 30 to 60 minutes. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like Kung Fu Fighting, which says it plays very quickly, uh, that's all relative to a bunch of factors, and as we draw. as we know, yeah. it can it can can go a lot longer than that. Uh, any other bad stuff about it? Uh,
1: There is, in fact, player (laughs) elimination, and it can happen very suddenly, and there's not much you can do about it if you're not lucky on your draw. Where you just
3: get thrown out of a window when someone slams a chair into
1: you? I was about to say, whacked through a window by a chair, the chairs, (laughs) I believe, are overpowered, but, you know, that's just my opinion.
3: Yeah, and for a game that goes on as, as long as this one, being eliminated... As you said, fairly early in the
1: game. I, I believe I ate two pieces of pie. Right. So that could
3: be a good category if the pie was in the box, but it's not. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's something we could say that might be other about this game? For those of us who've played Kung Fu Fighting, uh, it's interesting that this actually has a board on it. Yeah. So there's actually a little bit of a tactical positioning yourself.
4: The, but, uh, it has a, a team
3: uh, version that could actually be more interesting. Um, which I think the expansion for Kung Fu Fighting added that to that game, but this one's actually built into it. I like how we just keep com- comparing High Noon Saloon to Kung Fu Fighting, but I mean, it, it is so we. it is so similar to it, though, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. yeah.
7: bullets, bullets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: there are bullets. Yeah, so many
7: bullets. <laughs> yeah, rather than <laughs> but not into guns, you know,
4: punches and kicks or weapon attacks. It's ranged or melee, and rather
1: which, than stances, which adds an
3: interesting. It's choice dynamic what
1: part of the saloon you're in <clears throat> which yeah. is oftentimes the center because you or people around you will be very frequently called out from whatever mm-hmm. position you're right. in out of, so out of there is cover. a certain limitation of the uh the impact of the the playboard. yeah
3: okay well again that was high noon saloon by slugfest games
5: Oh, as I bought them reviews from the Swarmcast, if you don't like it, I'ma come over to kick the- Tail! Tail! <laughs> Toast
3: meant to say tail.
5: Toast. One. Ooh. Why do you do that? Oh, yeah. mm. Swarmcast, I got your number. I'll call you all the time. Area code 803 470 That's it. That's the end of the shower You can go back to your normal life now and- Th- I- what, what? What are you doing? Um, I'm ending the show. What? That's it? I want to know more about the Scarab Gaming Con! Oh, well, I mean, you're in luck then, cause, uh, next Scarab is January 2020, and you know what that means, right? Oh, yeah! <sighs> A dragon's gonna erupt
9: from Mount Fuji huh? ushering in the sixth world! It's gonna be great!
5: Uh, I mean, no. I mean, maybe. Uh, no! No, 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 no. It's the 10th year anniversary of Scarab Gaming Con in Columbia, South
9: Carolina.
5: Yeah, oh,
9: yeah, that's <laughs> right. So, I just followed them on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and on that website of theirs. What
5: was that? Yeah, that's wwws dot bcom Yeah, with <laughs> all those dashes.
9: I, I see right. that it's going to be four days, Friday through Monday, MLK weekend, and... Uh, January is
5: that right? Oh yeah, and you should really check it out. I mean, there's let's see, board games from their extensive board game library. Uh, uh, They've hundreds of games. Wow, that's <laughs> a
9: lot.
5: Yeah, you're right. It sure is. Oh, and there's lots of organized play RPGs like D and D, Pathfinder, uh, some of that Shadowrun. I think you mentioned something about that earlier. Ah, plus plenty of open RPG gaming as well. So you can try out games like, I don't know, Savage Worlds, if that's your thing, or Fate, or maybe even that Dread thing, if you like Jenga Tower stuff.
9: Uh Uh-oh, so are those called unorganized play then?
5: What? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No. So previous years, we've had like, the uh, Circle Tournament of Death, run by that Randy Miller guy and, uh, the RPG Pharaohs Challenge, as well as Artemis the Starship Simulator. Oh. You know, I hear there's some exciting stuff planned for this year, too. Haha. <laughs> oh, uh, well, what about Wargabbing? Mm-hmm. And minis.
9: I love minis.
5: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, sure. You know, we got 4DK that's coming back pretty big this year. Bigger than ever. Plus, uh, probably some Warmer hearts And then there's Guild Ball. Uh- what, Guild Ball? Did
9: you say Guild Ball? <laughs> well, yeah.
5: I mean, Just listen
3: to this.
4: Hey everyone, this is Pete from Rage Quit Wire. We got an exciting announcement. January 18th and 19th of 2020, we're going to be running a guild ball tournament at the Scarab Gaming Convention in Columbia, South Carolina. It's going to be Saturday and Sunday from 10 to 4 p.m. It's either going to be one large tournament or two smaller tournaments, depending on size and attendance. It's going to be $100 prize support per 10 people. So the more we get signed up, the more swag we get. Trophies are going to be provided for the champion of the tournament, best painter, and sportsmanship. It's only $40 for the entire convention weekend. That's a special price for Guild Ball players. If you are interested in registering, email pete at rage.quit.wire at gmail.com. Looking forward to having people sign up and rolling some dice and
7: throwing some salt.
9: Best Sounds so cool. How do I sign up for it? Well,
5: uh, let's see. You can get tickets on Scarab's website, or you can find an Eternal member to sign up through for a special discounted price.
9: Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh So, how do I find one of those?
5: Well, you can either set a trap with some dice as bleeds. I know a few of that would work out for, like, yeah, that Richard Moore guy. Or you can shout out for one of them on social media. And they'll swarm you like uh, sharks, you know, but uh, in a good way. <laughs> uh,
9: I'm not sure that's a thing, is it?
5: Well, uh, anyway, thanks for listening to the Swarmcast podcast. Uh, you should subscribe to us and check us out on social media. Oh, let's yeah. see. Yeah,
9: you're on Facebook, uh-huh. on Twitter, yeah. and almost on Instagram. I'll have to fix you up to get that set up on Discord, too. Uh, that's pretty cool, sis. Um, so,
5: anyway. Subscribe to us through Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TunedIn, or wherever you get podcasts. And if you like RSS feeds, you can get us
9: that way, too. (laughs) Yeah! Uh, thanks for not calling up iTunes anymore. So, music on this show is used with permission and lots of love from iFightDragons at iFightDragons.com. It's you, Lars, at... Etsyliars.com and that's steam power giraffe guys at steampowergiraffe.com oh, I'm gonna pick a ending song for the show this time.
6: Since the first time I opened my eyes I've awakened to the same thing Other automaton friends roughly built like me The first time I opened my mouth to speak A steam escaped to the air And black oil dripped from my lips And onto the ground where daylight struck a chord with my photoreceptors. Night greeted me with the sea of stars. Our eyes all flashed blues and greens through the night. It's just our own. Atomic, atomic electronic. feet on the ground kneel up arise rise us up with the rest. Our thoughts are quixotic stock and robotic, mechanical in nature all the time And pulses are firing in our head wiring, guiding all our actions and being. It's just our uh, time time Harmonic. I am not an unimaginable thing. My thoughts are tangible, though they're full of springs. I don't have the heart to send you untruthful words. My skin is cold to the touch and made from the earth. They say, oh. Oh it's so down, but maybe its sound makes your worries cease to pound And no, maybe it's alright, cause maybe it fights for some time just to be held tight and no, maybe it's not wrong, cause it sings a lovely song, one that drifts on for so long, and no. Maybe let's not lie, its eyes are alive, and pointed up, shouting right to the sky. It's just our, <gasps> our, At- our charm At- itself.